Alright, today's February 12th, 2023, Super Bowl Sunday, for those who are a fan of the game. I am Todd Ugasawara, good friend John Westfall, and our very good friend and frequent guest Don Sorsonelli on this uh, February, as I said, MoViews podcast 446. I don't think I said what, what podcast it was, but it's 446. And I I don't know, we, we may talk about the Super Bowl, but probably not. As I told Don and John, I had to go look up who was playing before the podcast. But uh, anyhow, so, uh, you know, we've been having, John and I and some other friends have been having this chat about, well, chat GPT and other AI-ish tools. Um, and I, I, so a couple of interesting things were announced this past week. One was uh, Microsoft said it's going to demo its chat GPT-like AI. Um, they're using the, you know, the I guess GPT-4 engine in Word, PowerPoint, and Outlook soon. So yay, Clippy. Clippy's back when smarter than ever. And the other, of course, is Google Bard, which Google announced uh, and had ads. And then they had a, a Google Bard gave the wrong answer, which a astronomer picked up on. And, and it was like, oops. And they lost $100 billion in market value the next day. Um, and then, then the question that I have is, you know, what do you think about, you know, the return of Clippy, so to speak? Uh, Google Bard in general, wrong or not. I mean, and John, as John will tell you, you know, ChatGPT is no, is not even close to error free. And then the question I have is, is Apple going to undumbify Siri? Because Siri has gotten considerably, you know, dumber since they bought it. It was pretty smart when, you know, before it became an Apple product. And it really needs to be improved. I, I never use it, um, except maybe to send a text message. God, I think Siri is as smart as it was when it started, which at the time, it's just everybody seems to have left over it. There hasn't <laughs> been a whole lot of theory over the years. Yeah. Well, and, you know, thinking about that space, Siri does what I, what I'm mostly comfortable with asking, uh, you know, a virtual assistant to do, turn on some lights, do this or do that, very directed tasks. And, you know, yes, there are other AIs that can do more, but yet nobody even trusts them. I mean, look at Amazon. They can't make Alexa profitable because no one wants to buy something through Alexa. So, you know, yeah, it's great that Alexa might be able to give you an answer that Siri can't give you. But at the same time, uh, I can also look it up just as fast on my phone most of the time and get a more precise answer. So... I don't know. Siri, it'd be great if you could ask Siri all the same questions you can ask Alexa, but I don't know if people are even asking Alexa those questions anymore. I, I you know, I have a, a Lenovo Google Assistant uh, um, sitting right in front of me, actually, which I love. It's a great tool. It's got a, let's see, a 10-inch display and pretty nice speaker. Speaker, not stereo. And I talk to it all the time. Now, you could say, well, Todd, you're just lonely. But no, no, I actually ask it, you know, questions that I'm wondering about, like, you know, what is this or... You know, how tall is that or whatever, that those kind of things or, you know, what the weather's like or even traffic. So I use Google Assistant a lot and I'm, I'm looking forward to the day when you know, a, a smarter version or a better version of Google Bard is somehow available for it. And, that, and you're lonely was supposed to be the end of that. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And and yes, yes. And, and I'm a lonely old retiree. retiree. Yes. Now, I actually use and I think, John, I, I follow the same line with you. Uh, I mean, outside of using uh, Alexa for timers, in, you know. Oh yeah, that's a great use. Uh, I use. I've got a. Uh, I've got a Nest Hub here, sitting in my. You know, right next to me. That uh, I use a lot at my desk for same thing: home automation, turning on and off lights. Uh, you know, asking very simple things. But you're right. The 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 the, the big stuff. The stuff that requires an extra level of trust. I'm in the same. I'm of the same. Mm -hmm. The you know Alexa or you know the I, and I'm not going to say its name because I don't want it to start talking to me right now. I hear you. The, the other assistant, you know, it's it's tough and and I'm fascinated by what Chat GPT and that next generation of AI could provide. But again. What's it going to do that is it going to raise our trust level, I guess, because the key, you know, great. It can do, it can do kind of cute stuff now, more, more sophisticated, cute things. 
but is it going to be that the zero will lay on or something? And John, you're right. They, you know, you know, I mentioned you've seen it too. I mean, accuracy. And it's, you know, it's it's great that it's syntactically, it's grammatically correct in some of these, but if, you know, the information, you know, is the information trustworthy, just like is anything else trustworthy? I mean, if I don't trust you, you know, I think Amazon's dream was that I would be saying, hey, A-word, go buy blank on Amazon, and it would just show up at my door. I don't trust it to identify the right product. And that's <laughs> I'm doing that. Even if I've ordered the same thing over and over again, and Amazon should be able to just look at my history and say, oh, yeah, whenever he orders white, he wants this. I don't trust it to do that. I want to be able to see that before I hit purchase. So let alone, so I don't care if it knows the answer to my, you know, astrophysics question or something like that, because why would I trust that any more than the fact that it could pick the right brand of something to ship to me? Well, I will say that, you know, for the, the A-word person, uh, for for Amazon, what I do is I have it set so it does not buy, but it will put it in my shopping basket. So it'll say, "Hey, it's about time you reorder, you know, this brand of pet mm-hmm. food that you ordered, you know, a month ago, or whatever." And yeah. uh, I will do that. Yep, put it in my shopping cart, and I can go over and review it, and you know, press buy if uh, if it did the right thing. And it always does, by the way, you know, because it's uh, I'm not well, telling it what to buy; it's telling me what I should buy, and I've bought before, so that works fine. Now, well, you point out is something that I've long thought is the next step we need to have, which is the assistance initiating interactions instead of me always having to initiate. Yeah. And, you know, that's what I think would actually make it useful is if in the mornings as I'm getting ready, my virtual assistant realizes, oh, this is now the time every morning where he's walking around making coffee or whatever. I should launch into a discussion of, hey, are you ready for your morning update or something like that? If I say yes, then, okay, you've got this coming up today. You've got that. Oh, do you want me to do this? Do you want me to do that? I'm seeing bits and pieces of that starting to happen a little bit. And it's interesting. It's happening both with the A word and the G word. The A word to what uh, Todd was mentioning is, I will, (laughs) I think they come up all the time. I'm afraid whenever I see the, the, glowing on one of this device and to tell me it's like a notification there but i have gotten the you know in the past you've ordered x on a monthly basis it's coming up again do you want to yeah so i've seen that is one thing and the other thing i've started to see is and it, it happened more when i was doing regular commuting i started to see with the g assistant getting things related to recognizing it. I've seen actually Siri did a pretty good job with this. If you used Apple maps regularly for traffic, it would start to recognize and expect it. Cause as a matter of fact, sometimes it was a little obnoxious. It knew that I always went to, uh, Siri always knew that I went to the grocery store early in the morning on Sunday. <laughs> it's only seven minutes to get to the grocery store right now. I was running late. I'm like, don't tell me I'm, I'm sleeping in today. Well, yeah. it's done that to me too. You're seeing little bits of it, but again, I think there's still, I think all of it keeps on boiling down. And, and John, I didn't think of it that much until you mentioned it. It boils down to where's the line where I'm like, okay, that's fine. But then there's that trust level. What's the next level that you can take me to where I'm going to trust the result? Suggesting things based on past purchases, that's, that's okay, I guess. Yeah, right. because that's. You, you figure they know and you can verify mentally telling me how long it take to get to some place where you think I'm going to be going to. It's okay. I'm not, and it's no, no harm, no foul. But like you said, ordering the right product, speaking yeah. to the speaker and ordering the right yeah. product is something I, I worry about. It's um, almost like you need to earn my trust. You need to show me some things that you can do that show that you're actually paying attention so that when I do decide to give you a, you know, money in a sense. So, the equivalent of go run down to the store and buy this for me. I know that you've been paying attention over the last five months. No, why? Yeah. You know, so little things like, hey, you know, uh, do you want me to remind you about this later? Or do you want me, you know, oh, yeah, I forgot to even set that reminder yesterday. I'm glad you noticed it in my email or noticed the, uh, you know, because Siri can look in your chats and go, oh, you, you know, do you want to have this as a suggested reminder? And it'll yeah. put it in the reminders app, but it will never actually proactively tell you it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
So better hope I look at my chat, you know, in my uh, messages or in my suggested uh, reminders. Why are you just telling me this on your own? Now, it, 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 I think part of our problem with all of this, too, is we've always had such, I mean, for decades, and you can thank Hollywood to a certain extent, we've always had this vision of one day artificial intelligence being such a part of our everyday lives. And for so long, we've heard about, we're getting close, we're getting close, we're getting close. And so every time somebody introduces something, we go, oh, is this the one? Is this going to be the big? And we keep on going, uh, no. <laughs> a little bit better. Incremental improvement. But I think, I mean, first, far back as I can remember, even as a kid watching, the, the, the future was supposed to be, it didn't have to be a robot. It could be talking to your computer. Computer, you know, computer, Star Trek. Thing, you know, and it, so we've sort of been, we've sort of been programmed every time we hear artificial intelligence to expect like this, this quantum leap into it, you know, sentience. We keep on getting, we keep on getting, uh, you know, the, um, the, the miss, tell, you know, telling us the wrong thing for the most simple thing this time. Yeah. Well, you know, back in, gosh, what was the first AI conference? 57, 55? When, you know, they said they were going to solve the AI vision problem in about three years. <laughs> it took, well, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's still a work in progress for those wondering. I think we've become a little bit more realistic, but there's still that certain level of expectation. You see, I mean, look at the the world going nuts over chat GPT. I oh, mean, yeah. Like, we're treating it like, the HAL 9000 had suddenly been introduced. Yeah. You know, we were, we were on our way to that kind of world. And it and then, you know, didn't take too long. But there's still people out there who think that this thing is, you know, all-knowing and omnipotent. <laughs> it's, going to, it's, it's going to change everything. And it's, the reality is it's a step, but we're still so many steps away from getting to that level where we can trust. And... I still say it, it's only going to be as trustworthy as the data you feed into anything. And as we've learned in recent years, uh, alternate facts can, can really cloud any kind of reality. So you always have to be, even when it you, you have a little bit more trust, you always have to have a certain amount of healthy skepticism too. Yeah. Sadly. Yeah. And, and Don, I see you put a question in uh, or a topic in, Related to this in our show notes, you want to kick off on yeah. that one? It's interesting. What I noticed the other day, it was funny because, uh, yeah, because of course with the announcement, uh, you know, they they said, okay, you know, uh, go into, because it was going to be obviously in uh, Edge as well as, as one point. So I went into Edge and there was the Bing icon and I said, yeah. oh, okay, let's get on the wait list. Yep. And so, that. you know, why, they started right away pushing downloading and installing being for Android. And at that point, I, I started to think back and I'm thinking to myself, you know, Microsoft over especially recent history with Samsung, but a little bit more broad, has really embraced Android as an operating system. Sure, yeah. <laughs> now, where does this leave things knowing that Google with Bard is also competing and, and obviously a, a great amount of concern? Over the search, I mean, the, this I'll, I'll be curious to see how this might play out over the coming months, maybe who knows, years. But you know, Microsoft and had really embraced Android and their place for for Windows Phone, and you know, had done so much to integrate. And now all of a sudden, you've got this. You know, you've got that they're really pushing their engine on Android too, directly on it. So I, I'll be curious see if we hear anything short or alter and Samsung to a certain extent is sort of a bit of potential because yeah. that was the real go-to for uh for so much of the function so. you know you know the 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 interesting thing to me is that and I, I I need to reconfirm this but I think to get the full GPT-4 experience when it becomes available um through Microsoft Bing you have to use Edge you can't do yeah. it in Chrome, or at least for now, you can't do it in Chrome. You got to use Edge, 
And, and John, you might know this answer. So if you download the Edge browser for Android, um, is that a natively, a native binary or is that built on top of, I mean, I know it's built on top of Chromium, but is it built on top of the Chrome browser in Android? Because uh, my understanding on the iOS side, for example, is all the alternative browsers like Chrome for iOS and stuff, really it's built on Safari. Yeah, and I understand that's supposed. To, I had heard that that might be changing finally from Apple's perspective in the mm. in the near, which, interestingly enough, technically that's a great question because I know for a history has been that same thing. It's built on the Chrome, you know, for Android built on the Chrome engine. You're just building on right. top of it, which is right. right. What I don't know if that's changed. Yeah. Um, Maybe why, again, strategically, they're pushing for Android over, oh, go get the Edge, go get the Edge browser for it. Yeah. But yeah, it's, again, it's, it's get, can tweak in a little bit. Uh, I will say that I'm one of the sheeple that downloaded Bing for uh, iPad <laughs> to get ready for this. Yeah, I know. I, I haven't, I haven't downloaded, I, I, I've had Edge for a while on, on my Windows machine. I, I have. Yeah, both browsers, obviously. Yeah, well, you really don't have a choice, right? You got to have Edge and Windows Box. Why? Well, and I have the dev version too. I have the uh, Okay, okay. Anybody download? I figure if I'm going to get it quicker, it might be showing up there first. Uh, the integration, but um, yeah, I may. I, I just to be fair, I'm I'm a total sucker. I'm a Windows insider. Or I'm an Office insider. <laughs> I'm an energy bill. I really like, I'm a glutton. <laughs> yeah, we should talk about the Insider program um, later in the podcast. Because uh, I, you know, I, I look at it, but uh, I wanted to get through some of the things John had. And then uh, let's get back to that as our last topic. Oh, I had to do that too, John. I just had to replace uh, my AirTag battery too. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, this is just kind of a, an FYI. So I've always been dreading, you know, how will it be to replace an AirTag battery? Because every time I've had to replace VR2032 and anything, it's always annoying, uh, especially something I'm thinking, well, this is Apple and it, you know, themes and breaking things apart. And I don't know. I just assumed it was going to be annoying. And <laughs> then I did it and it took 30 seconds mm -hmm. because literally you just, push down on the metal piece and rotate about maybe 15 degrees and it pops right off. Yeah, yeah, same. For me, the hard part was I have my AirTag inside of a Belkin plastic case, which I like, you know, it's the, the Belkin plastic uh, case for the AirTag was the hard part to take off. I think I needed like a knife or a little screwdriver or something to kind of pop it open. But the AirTag itself was a piece of cake and a, and a joy to work with. Which is weird, right? It might be I mean, anything Apple has sells it has a replacement. Yeah, I was going to say, for a company <laughs> that's not known for making it easy to get to their batteries, it was really <laughs> shocking to me. Yeah, I was pleasantly surprised. Plus, I always have some hesitation with that, you know, friction fit sort of model. Right. Something that you don't regularly. Right. Like, well, it's sitting here for two, three years now. Is it glued into place? Well, you know, just sheer force of things. Yeah. And then it sort of got me on. So, go ahead. No, no, go ahead, John. Oh, I was just going to say, it got me thinking about what I, what my tech everyday carry is that, you know, is actually important enough to carry around because it's shrinking over the last number of years. And while my bag still has some, I, I almost put my bags list in there, but my bag is shrinking too. I used to carry a laptop charger. I don't carry that because I have USB-C full places that I go regularly and uh, it also has something to do with the fact that I only work 10 minutes away from home. So uh, if I need to get to something, I'm always within a 10-minute walk of it. But really, this last week, I took something out of my everyday carry that I never thought I would, which was my little pocket knife uh, with a USB stick. And uh, I just realized I don't use it for anything, really. It's just it's in my pockets, but I never go any, I never take it out. Really, my everyday carry now is a phone, a MagSafe wallet that has three cards, which actually I could probably get away with two, because one of them is an ID that I could scan everywhere that I need to go, but it's faster sometimes with the magnetic stripe to, to do it. It's my campus ID card. And uh, uh, I only have a credit card in there because not everywhere I go has contactless payment. Of course, when I leave 
my little Mississippi everywhere I go does Apple Pay uh, <laughs> or uh, Kroger Pay or Walmart Pay or something where I don't need a physical card anymore. So I'm really down to my ID, which Mississippi is supposedly getting electronic IDs, but we haven't yeah, nice. got that yet. Yeah, we're on the list, Don, for uh, an Apple. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think we are. We're, we're actually getting like. <laughs> yeah. Well, I joke, uh, I don't know if I've joked on a podcast before, that Mississippi is about, and our government is about 90% stuck in 1980 and 10% <laughs> stuck in 2030. There are things here that were, you know, when I saw that we were on the list of states that were going to get Apple, uh, you know, wallet ID, you know, I thought, what, how did that happen? How did we get on that list when there's plenty of other states that are more tech savvy than we are? Uh, and there are just some weird things there. So it, it, theoretically in five years, uh, I might not need to carry any actual cards, uh, if they actually make the ID card usable, uh, but right now I'm down to three cards, emergency cash, AirPods, a car key, which is a key fob that could become my phone, like many newer cars have, and a single office key to get into my office. Because my home, I have uh, electronic locks on, I can, I can get in and out that way. So it's really interesting how multiple keys have gone away in the last years. The Swiss Army knife with USB, I, don't, I just don't use that much. I don't carry a pen. I carry some emergency cash, but I don't carry my spending cash. That goes in my bag in case I need to, you know, buy something on a fundraiser, which is really the only case I ever need cash for anymore is someone at work as, you know, a kid selling candy bars or something like that. Of course, 99% of them now take Venmo or they'll take really? effort. They'll take, uh, yeah. Yeah, it is a, an interesting world. So I guess I'm interested when you guys leave the house, what do you have to carry, you know, anymore on your person well in uh, most cases go ahead go ahead don oh i was gonna say i'm short i'm as a as a now a retired person the only thing i carry gadget wise is my iphone and sometimes my uh, android phone but that's pretty much it i mean yet yeah, i think john the same thing i have a bag when i have to go to the office but day to day i'm fair this works I mean, basically, it. I have a house key. I don't have the electric. So I have the one house key, uh, and on that same sheet, I have the car fob, and I have because our my gym has the barcode. It they but they do it on phone or mobile. So I have a little swipe card for that. That's just on my keychain, a little tiny one. But then outside of that, yeah. It's, my my wallet doesn't get pulled out that much. I keep a license because, like I said, I'm just happy we actually have licenses here in the answer uh, for, for driving. But uh, but I uh, we have uh, I have my license. I mean, yeah, I have a minimalist wallet now that carries what cards I need. And the only cards outside of like you said, in case of emergency where they don't accept uh, Apple Pay or Google Pay. 90% of the time for me is, yeah. um, I mean, I, 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 there's a couple of cards that I carry because every week when I go to grocery store, for example, uh, certain, there's certain sale club, I'll not be, you'll allow Dan through their app. Yeah. I just checked by the way. So Hawaii is on the list, but who knows when that will happen. The three States currently, the. Uh, of supporting this are oh shoot I was just on I was just looking I was just on an Apple site looking and it's oh here it is Arizona Colorado and Maryland are the three states currently supporting uh, ID in the wallet yes yeah. so. and so yeah I'm like you I mean honestly like I said my my little wallet and my phone is like you said for most payment stuff now. Well, okay. I think a lot back to what I was telling people in the late 90s. And if I remember right, this is, of course, my memory, so it might not be. But there was a old piece in a Microsoft magazine somewhere around 95, 96, with Bill Gates talking about what the future was going to look like. Oh, and yeah. actually, I mean, at that time, describing Windows CE-powered devices... Uh, pocket PCs and those sorts of things. But he basically made the argument that, you know, in 20 years, you're, you'll carry around a small computer 
and it will be your keys, it will be your wallet, it will be your contact, your PDA, it'll be a phone, it'll have the internet on it. And, at the, and if you lose it, you'll just go get another one and punch in your information and it will download all of that same stuff from somewhere that, you know, and, you know, you'll have it in 10 minutes again for, you know, some crazy low replacement price, you know. And we've gotten pretty close to that, which is a pretty interesting observation that we've been able to essentially minimalize a lot of what we're carrying and make it more redundant. I still have this discussion with people at work all the time who are diehard paper users mm-hmm. and they go, well, it just, you know, I need it on paper. I said, yeah, but think about how much easier it is to destroy paper uh, versus all your copies of something electronically. That's honestly, that's why I, yeah, I've got sitting here, I've got a rocket book instead of taper because I write to use and I, I write I scan, I upload digitally, and then I reuse the quote-unquote paper for, mm-hmm. for that. Yeah, I, it's very rare that I write out physical paper anymore for anything, unless it's like a note that I have to hand to somebody in that form. Sticky notes are the only paper I use. And yep. it's because I can scroll something on it and then shove it in my pocket and then as I'm walking around, I grab it out and go, oh, I tell someone something and then I either give it to them or I throw it away. It's purely a mnemonic device in a sense, more so than actual paper note taking. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, 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 it's funny. I mean, if, if I was a, uh, a faster typist, I probably would very rarely ever even use the digital paper, like a, a you know, a rocket book or something mm-hmm. similar. But I find sometimes it's just easier for when I'm drawing things out, it's easier to do that. Uh, you know, I'm having to sketch something out really fast and then I want to get it in the digital format. I use it for that. But no, it's, yeah. Honest. It's it's funny you mentioned Rocketbook because John and I, I was just telling John the other week on one of the po- past podcasts that I found uh, some of my live scribe gear. Um, I didn't find the actual pen, but I found a whole bunch of notebooks and things that are, you know, partially used or unused. And I think that's very similar to the rocket book concept where you have a special notebook paper um, that you have write on. I was showing the original rocket book. My mother had bought this and never quite figured out how to use it and gave it to me. And it's about maybe, I think I have stuff written up to page 30 of 80. So and that's over five years or so. So yeah, then even that paper doesn't get used that often. Well, it's funny because I'm in such a habit now where I write, I immediately photograph and, you know, go through the process on my phone, and then I'm immediately wiping down different pieces of page again. So I'm on page zero right now. Yeah. Oh, is that the one where you stick it in a microwave and it erases the page, or? No, no, I didn't. No, this one here is just a, uh, uh, it's damp cloth white. Oh, wow. Like a whiteboard almost. Yeah, it's almost whiteboardish. Yeah. yeah. That is cool, actually. It has the nuts. Yeah, mine was the original, which was the microwave. Yeah. So, yeah. That is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, so I, it's, as a matter of fact, my, my son, so he, I gave him one to take to college, and he wasn't using it at first. And not too long ago, he reached out to me. And he's like, so how should I use this? Because <laughs> he was talking about for the same thing for note taking, and then being able to transfer it and have it with all that digitally on his laptop. So he could, he could access it there. I said, this is how you do it. And so he started using it for his note taking because he finds he's much, he's not a fat type of playing stretch of the imagination. As a matter of fact, he'll probably make a very good programmer as a computer science major. <laughs> he's not a, a home key typist. <laughs> huh. I'm just looking at the rocket book page now. I'm kind of curious what's, pricing and all of that because they're i like i said i actually have um i have the fuller size one and then i don't have bullet these occasionally when i'm just jotting down some quick notes and i said i took daily lately i mean honestly because i i got so fast at that in the process and what's really great i'll be honest with you even if you write reasonable legible handwriting the ocr it works pretty well too 
I may need to format it afterwards, but it does stop with the OCR translation if you if you don't want it in its source digital form. Yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, I'm looking at the John's list. I do carry a pair of uh, inexpensive Bluetooth earbuds with uh, that I hook over the ear because, as as you guys know, I apparently have big ear holes. So the AirPods and Echo Bud, none of them will stay in my ear if I like take three steps. I'm sorry. Did you say, Todd, did you see your big ear hole? That's right. Yeah, I know it's a, but it's, I hold okay, saying self clear. Yeah, it's a, it's, it's a, uh, it's family safe, you know, it's safe for work, uh, but has a similar meaning. You're just a big ear hole, you know. <laughs> Can't even use an AirPod properly. <laughs> I actually, I have, they're different. My left and right ears are, 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 well, noticeably different if i try to use the same yeah. side for the i have problems also use different bit. silicone um tips yeah yeah but yeah for me i just need ear hooks i also bought those little things that you add to the airpods that put like little wings on them to stick them in the whatever yeah. the the curves and in, inside your ear yeah. that works great but you got to take them off to recharge and it's just a giant hassle so i stopped using them but you know i know what a lot of the rechargeable ones, I've noticed all these great products, including I'm a big backer of, of uh, Copley the, um, for the tips. Yeah. With the plan, fantastic. Until it gets to, even when they do say they're good for some of the rechargeable ones, right. you have to sure, yeah, it affects, and you got to really make sure that it's in place when you close the lid and right. everything else, charging perspective. But yeah, I know that you're right. Yeah, and I was gonna say to you know, to John and and Don, you know, as you as you progress, as you know, as things get better, you know, the things we stop carrying just naturally. Like, I stopped carrying a digital camera years ago because um, I thought my phone was good enough. Then there's a few places I went that I did carry a digital camera, like when I went to uh, the UK and things, where I needed a good telephoto or a good zoom, I should say. But for the most part, you know, I don't carry a I don't carry a digital camera anymore, which I used to carry every day, including to work. Um, you know, I just have a bunch of stuff. I don't remember the last time I took a photo with a digital camera. Yeah. And I, I honestly should say that. I, I'm like really trying to think back, and it, it's been a while. Yeah. The only time you really need it is if you need more than a couple X Zoom, you know. And for every day, you don't need that anymore. But if you're, you know, traveling somewhere as a tourist, then sure. Yeah. That's really handy. Can I have the... The only camera that I really use regularly now are in my, uh, these are the Ray-Ban uh, <laughs> glasses that have the camera built into them. And it's purely because it lets me get a quick shot of something if I'm walking. And really, the only reason I started using these is because I thought I just paid $300 for sunglasses. I should probably use them regularly instead of <laughs> they become special glasses. Uh, but they actually have come in handy because there are just times when you want a quick, quick shot of something you don't want to pull out your phone for, but that's about yeah. it. Uh, yeah. Remind me not to do the wrong thing when I'm with John outside with his sunglasses. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that is the interesting thing about it. There's two things from those glasses that I find interesting. One is that nobody ever notices the little light that comes out that says I'm recording something, or at least no one's ever brought it up to me. And it does get some really fun shots on vacation and such of just moments with your friends and things like that, where you got to go, that was just a nice, uh, quick video. But the second thing is I've shown those videos to people who are two to three inches or even seven or eight inches shorter than I am. And it totally messes with them that that's my viewpoint as a they, you know, they'll, that's, you know, they'll be looking at it. I'll go, you look really intrigued by this. And it's not that I shot something that they'd never seen before. It's that I had shot something they'd never seen before. You know, the top of a tree branch or the, uh, you know, a shelf that they've never been able to see out. It's just really interesting how when you're shooting something at your eye level and other people are not used to that eye level, uh, they find it very jarring and very distracting. You know, I, when my daughter was five years old, and she's still pretty short, um, and would probably have the same reaction as your friends. But when my daughter was about five years old, and even shorter than she is now, obviously, 
um, I gave her a digital camera to play with. And I said, you just use it however you want. And there are lots of shots of people's butts, you know, not because she's got some kind of a thing about butts, but that's her eye level. <laughs> lots of pictures of people's nostrils. You know? <laughs> we'll say that, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, again, not a particular, but she's you know, just taking pictures of what she saw. And that's what little kids see. They see people's butts and nostrils. So uh, uh, it, it is an interesting perspective. I will say some of the best shots I got when I was at Disney World in December were off the glasses, just because I would be, you know, getting off of a monorail and just right. it's set by default to do 60 seconds of video. So I would just take videos. I was walking down the ramp. That is cool. You know, looking around. It's a lot of good ambience of just what it was like, kind of what you used to see when people would walk around with giant VHS cameras on their shoulder, taking just shots of everything. Uh, I think yeah exactly it took me 20 minutes to figure out how to turn this thing on and my battery life's only 30 seconds so i might as well get the shot now before you know before this lead acid battery goes off <laughs> yeah so i i do say that you can the specially built cameras today are interesting if they're for a specially built purpose otherwise like the grow pros and those kind of things yeah yeah and I do have one of those uh, DJI Osmo Pockets, the original generation of those. And I used that actually at Disney as well when I knew I was going to be taking a longer video. But it was way more useful to use the glasses than it was to use that. Yeah, I have a side I time, I had a, a, you know, a couple of shots where there's the brim of my hat inside the glasses, frame, oh. which is very annoying. And you'd have no way of knowing it until after. Right, right. I, yeah, I just found my DJI 2 or 3. I forget which one I have, which I bought. During the pandemic, with the idea I was going to you know, shoot the world uh, during the height of the uh, pandemic. Uh, well, maybe not the height in numbers, but the height of the uh, you know, concern where we're locked down and stuff. But I never did do that. Um, I got to go do that. One of the things, you know, I, I don't know if Don knows this. I, I mentioned it to John. One of the things I've been thinking of doing, not, not so much video, but I've been thinking about doing outdoor uh, podcasts, um, kind of walk and talks with friends locally. And... Uh, Kind of being inspired. If you, I don't know if you've ever seen um, Kevin Nealon's uh, hiking with Kevin videos on YouTube, but they're quite they're videos, but they're quite compelling. I mean, he has interesting guests and things, but uh, it's it's the audio quality is good. So I've been kind of playing around with some ideas on how to do that before I buy anything. Um, but that's one of the things I've been thinking about doing in retirement. I should note that after I retired, I really slimmed down what I carried, John. So you know, your your list will get even slimmer over the years after you retire. I went from a kind of a mini backpack um, that I bought for, from Rick Steves, uh, which is, you know, a travel company. And it's a great travel backpack. It's not too big. It fits in any overhead and all of that. Uh, but, you know, that's back when I was carrying a, uh, a Bluetooth keyboard, uh, iPad mini, you know, enough cables to, you know, recable NORAD, uh, you <laughs> know, a, a MiFi, a, which also was was a USB charger because it had a hunky, um, giant hunk of a battery and, and a spare USB charger battery, you know, just, just in case. Um, to, you know, two sets of earbuds in case one died and I needed to be remote on a conf call. Uh, so once you retire, the, all that thing, so I slimmed down to a, a really tiny uh, sling, basically, a, you know, everyday carry. It's little labeled as an everyday carry tool. A sling that's uh, size of a fanny pack kind of thing, and that that has everything I need in it. It's 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 pretty awesome not having to go with a backpack everywhere. And I yeah. literally did, because you know I never knew when I was going to get a call and I'd need to do something and be online or, or go down somewhere and work. But I don't have that worry anymore. Anyway, Don, I wanted to, I wanted to hear you know. So I I think I'm part of the Office Insider for something. Like a very narrow niche, not the whole Office Insider, but maybe just for Android. Um, but what what's your Insider experience for Windows Insider and and all of that stuff these days? So I've been doing um, I've been doing that for actually for a very long time. Now that I think about it, it's it's been a number of years for some. I mean, the I've been doing uh, Windows Insider builds for oof, going back. Uh, since the program pretty much started, I, I started 
Pat, because when, you know, I, that was the first. And then um, Office Insider uh, is similar. Most of these, most of these, the Insider programs allow you to uh, pick a channel. Mm. So it's not that, oh my God, I've got the cutting edge. It's probably going to blow up every two and a half seconds. You know, there's there's preview level, there's uh, beta level, there's developer levels, uh, and obviously getting to increasing <laughs> stability and concern. Um, although I found, you know, I think all of us have been around long enough to know what it used to be like when you were part of a beta program. You usually held your breath every time you tried to start something up. Yeah. It's. I don't find that anymore. I think it's more about uh, even when you're talking developer builds, because I, for example, Microsoft Edge on on the developer channel, dev channel for it, and I I don't have anything blow up. It's more about oh, <laughs> a functionality of, of there's a bug that was introduced for a functionality is not behaving the way you would think it would, you know, versus. There goes my whole laptop blue screening. Uh, so I've had good experience with it, and it's a great way to keep, you know, especially if you're in technology, if mm-hmm. you're in a lot of years I did it because of the IT side of the fence, to know it's one thing to hear about what's coming down the pipe. It's another thing to have an advantage to be able to work with and then be able to prepare people and communicate when it does go public. Uh, that was a big one for the office insiders for me was to make sure that I was able to, you know, that I would see what's coming, including mentioning that, uh, have either of you gentlemen tried the, well, I don't know on the Mac if they released the new outlook yet available in beta. It is available on windows. Uh, the, what is the future of outlook hmm. on the, yeah, it, I've used it. It is available on the Mac uh, when I used to use Outlook all the time. But I, I don't know. It still didn't have the features that I, as a weirdo, was looking for. So <laughs> I switched it back to normal mode fairly quickly. So, so people have asked me what I think about it, and the first thing I tell them is, I say, "Have you ever worked with uh, OWA? Have you worked with Outlook in a browser?" Yeah. Like I'm like, oh well, then yeah, I don't have it. That yeah. What you're seeing is Outlook on the web harness, you know, uh, uh, basically with the features native on the desktop, you know, in terms of add-ins or things like that. But essentially, you know, core functionality is Outlook for web <laughs> is built in on that. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's, but it's a great, it's a perfect example. Because uh, now I, I've had friends, never mind people I've worked with, who are like, well, I hear this is coming. What's it going to be like? And I'm like, okay, here's what you need to be aware of. But, you know, here's the things that it's going to do. And I, I, I specific case of Outlook, I've said, go and use it in the browser for a couple of days. <laughs> you know, you'll get a, you'll get kind of a feel for, you know, at least for the, for the aesthetics and, and how it works. Uh, but I didn't. I, I enjoy it, but I don't think those kind of insider programs are for the fade to part. Um, even though, like I said, they're a lot more stable than they used to be. Uh, I do it for knowledge so that I can pass along that knowledge. I, I But I wouldn't, I typically don't have, I, I don't recommend it to, to folks that don't need to have. Yeah, but yeah. You're doing it because you have a good reason for it. you're doing it out of curiosity and you're prepared to, to, and you have a spare machine to sacrifice. Right. And like I said, I, I, I have not on the office insiders. I have, I honestly, I've never had a build that's really caused me a big problem. Oh, you know, I, I recently in, as part of my home archeological dig slash decluttering, I found my windows 95 beta tester t-shirt. And uh, and I remember one one Windows ninety five beta or Chicago I think it was called back then broke Ethernet. <laughs> yeah, that was not so good. Yeah, because I was I was beta testing for that. I was beta testing. Do you remember the original MSN back at the same time? Oh, the original MSN was, Don. Was... I I was a contractor for the MSN launch team. 
that's right. I forgot. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, I was I, beta I, testing. I was in red I, for lunch. Lunch. <laughs> oh my gosh, I forgot about that. Yeah, I was I was beta testing ninety five and beta testing MSS. And uh, yeah, it was interesting because yeah, but I had I also had a, a network set up at the time. I had a gosh, I had a early Linux build. Oh on yeah, old oh, yeah. four eighty six four eighty six tower system that I was networked it. And I was always, and I use that for a lot of important business reasons. But I was always afraid as I was big testing that stuff. What's going to blow up? That's going to make my life miserable, and I'm going to have to jump onto a whole nother computer to do things, get things done. Ah, but at that time in your lives, did, were you doing what I was doing in the nineties? I was setting up a Linux server that could do dial-on-demand for dial-up internet at home, so that everywhere in my house. You know, someone would request something from the internet and have to wait 25 seconds or so for the connection to go through and then it to route the traffic properly. <laughs> uh, I That was something that uh, at the time was a glimpse of broadband, uh, always on connectivity. But uh, I mean, yeah. I still am kind of shocked that I had gotten that up and running with the tools that we had at that time, which it was pretty amazing. Some of those things. It was pretty amazing time actually, looking, looking back at it. I had a Linux box that was being used for voicemail. Yeah. I had tried setting that up a few times too. Yeah. Yep. Gosh, those were, those were the days. Yeah. It's, it's like I said, it's come a long way. The stability I think is while we still may complain about betas and things like that, the overall level of stability, I think the industry has learned that, uh, you know, early alphas that you keep to oneself blow up things. By the time you go even to the earliest betas, public another example, betas yeah. with iOS betas, uh, Android beta, and I've been in both the beta programs over the years for those regularly. Uh, I've I've been floored by the stability. <laughs> by the time they reach public betas, in comparison to a generation ago, I think it's just ridiculous, night and day level of stability. Uh, you're, you're, you're testing functionality rather than does it actually work it And by the way, I don't know if, I think you guys were involved in this. Do you remember when we were doing Windows CE betas and we had to send our devices to Redmond to get them flashed? Well, we were doing that. Yeah. Pocket PC and Pipe, which, oh gosh, what, I'm trying to remember the name of one of the HTC, the Excalibur. Yeah, the future yeah. was by the time we got to the Excalibur, you could they they were so happy that you could easily flash that, <laughs> which rounds to where you didn't have to go through like twenty seven hoops to get it done. Yeah, I remember. Or waiting until an event to all oh, go there, all go there. Up, yeah. and then get flash parties. <laughs> oh, I got I got photos of that. I got to go find a photo of all our pocket PCs lined up together getting flashed. Or a yeah. post flash, really. Uh, I will yeah. tell you. A, I will tell you a funny beta flash story. So, I sent in my compact iPad, which, as you recall, was like worth its weight in gold back then, yeah. uh, to get flashed for an upgrade. In fact, I think it was only certain pocket PCs that were flashing for beta tests, and that was one of them. So I reluctantly sent my iPad in, and then I get a phone call for someone saying, "Hey, Todd, um, we fried your iPad." I said, what do you mean? It's like, it's unrecoverable. I go, oh man. He said, but let me tell let's, let me tell you what we can do for you. If it's okay with you, can we send you one of the new pocket PC phone editions that just came out to replace it? And I'm like, oh yeah, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so that's well, how I got my first pocket PC phone edition. For for all the for all the phones and everything else that that that's always where you know always like no we don't have any available you got to bring your own and everything the one time i ever had i can remember vividly having a phone sent to me was when they were up at, at the time good friend was um the developer evangelist in the northeast and they were building the first uh net compact framework certification for for exams and everything uh, and they wanted sort of an outline for what they thought a class would be. And he said, could you just 
you know, sketch something out, spend a couple of minutes. So I spent the weekend and basically I mapped out all the learning objectives. <laughs> this whole thing was like several pages. And I said, wow. use this because it all maps to what you're probably going to want to look for, for, you know, uh, for functional knowledge for writing right, right. medium. And the next thing I know, I was like, and I said I was doing it as a favorite. The next thing I know, I get, and it was one of the I-mates. Gosh, there's a name from the past. Oh, we remember him. They were. The Universal or one of those? Right. And it was an, it was an I-mate, and I can't remember which one it mapped to, but it was one of the HTCs, and they're like, yeah. uh, you basically yeah. did our work for us. Thank you. You're <laughs> so Here's the phone is thank you. Oh, that's the nice. rest of the time. The rest of the time, though, you're right. The boats and everything was always, yeah, it was always that concern. It was a risk of being fried. Yeah. You know, and yeah, one of those, those bills. Um, like I said, that's why I think they love the Excalibur because the damn thing was such a, for such a little phone with that tiny little chiclet keyboard that it had, <laughs> that thing was, that thing was they can really bang up. As a matter of fact, the last last Windows Mobile version, six six point five. I remember getting the betas for that. Uh, you know, and it was still by that time it was still running on the uh, Excaliburs. They were actually still flashing those. So, yeah, those were some some wild wild days. Then that led us to all the the, the, the same time the rise of our our good friends at. Um, Oh, what should we call it? Uh, XDA developers. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they've done well. That was the place to go back then. I mean, it still is. It's amazing. Still, I still visit every once in a while. I don't think I touched a ROM in years, but that was same. Uh, yeah, but that was. I still go and visit every once in a while to to check things out there to see what's going on there. People uh, don't, don't even know what the XDA refers to anymore. Gosh, it's funny though because it's. Um, it, it, I think that that age, that that time is coming gone, because it, it's still out there, but it's now just I think pure hobbyist at this point, or both that don't spend the money on a new phone. They're trying to milk it for every last uh, last little bit that they can get out of it. But uh, yeah, I remember it. That the heyday was 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 an amazing place to go. And people were doing things that just constantly wowed me. Um, you know, whether it be at the user interface layer, they were doing things that a lot of, <laughs> I used to think a lot of folks at Microsoft and then eventually a lot of folks for, for Google and, and the, the OEM should have been looking at because they were doing some great things at the UI uh, as well as the optimizations at the core level, what they were, yeah, what they're baking into ROMs was just amazing. Yeah, different times for sure. Um, but in any case, we are coming to the top of the hour for our recording. I'll try to go back in. I took a little note to go back in and see if I can go fix that little glitch due to my network connectivity, I'm guessing. And Don, it was great to have you on. Uh, hope you guys, uh, thanks for coming on Super Bowl Sunday. I think we've got a couple hours to go before it starts, so you should have time to, to do all of that. But... It was great, and we will talk to you next time. Thanks, Don. Thanks, thanks John. All right.